As the 21st century automotive world evolves and new electric vehicle technologies are introduced, new leaders will emerge on the landscape. The EV Power podcast by RPM News takes you behind the headlines as your guide to this new generation of sustainable transportation. And welcome to episode number two of the EV Power podcast. Hey, Rich, we made it to episode two. So yeah, that's like an amazing. It's like an anniversary. Where we've did it. Uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about used uh, EV cars, and uh, we found a report from IC Cars which talks about the most well, most popular EV cars per state. You know, the Nissan Leaf kind of you know shines on that list. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. And of course, we're going to talk about Lucid Motors opens up a new showroom for their luxury electric sports car. And we're going to kick things off talking about a car that's sort of on the other end of the price spectrum from Lucid. That's the, the new Mazda MX-30 that's kicking off in Japan. And uh, Rich, you want to fill us in on the... Sure. It's, a, it's an interesting looking little vehicle. Uh, it's got suicide doors, uh, sort of harkens to the BMW i3 in that respect. Although I think its profile might be a little bit different. Uh, interesting, but interesting turn turn of events. I suppose uh, it could be attributed to the pandemic that they, the Mazda being they in this particular sentence, had to kind of move shuffle their timeline around. Uh, they moved it back production back when they uh, they first uh, introduced the MX30, which was at the uh, Tokyo Motor Show uh, last year. Uh, I think the the plans were that an EV was going to be the first uh, out of the box, but it didn't really happen that way. They they've kind of kicked things off with a uh, MX30 hybrid. But I, I want to step back even before we get into some of the nuts and bolts of, of what we know about the car so far is to the use of the M in the MX uh, of their of its name. It sort of implies a, a something of a more sport nature, you know, right. sporty nature. Like you have the MX-5 Miata uh, versus their CX series, which is mostly right. their SUVs. So what, what's up with that? Is uh, The car doesn't especially look anything like a sports car. It does have sort of that uh, crossover coupe look that's... I guess popular. I mean, I guess people like it. But, um, you know, yeah, MX goes back to, I think they had the MX3 and the MX6, which is a kind of an oddball car. But And then the the RX um, series was, was the Rotaries, which is kind of funny, too, because when you think about it, because the reason it's in the news this week is because Mazda has confirmed that they are adding a, a Rotary gas extender, which was kind of a rumor that's been around for years that they might do this. So why isn't it the RX thirty? Or will the gas or the rotary version be the? <laughs> will that be the RX thirty? Well, I, I mean, if you actually look at why they even are bothering to put in a range extender generator, uh, whether it's a rotary engine or something else, is that the MX thirty uh, was uh, being stated at about one hundred twenty four miles as far as its range goes, which. In in this day and age, it's, that's that's a kind of low number. Uh, they're not going to be too competitive with the Chevy Bolt, uh, Nissan Leaf, if that's their range. So they've added the range extender to alleviate any any questions uh, folks might have about uh, uh, their range anxiety, which is uh, the, the term itself is kind of you know falling out of favor these days anyway because. It, there's almost no need to consider range anxiety with most of the the newer electric vehicles. Yeah. The newer models of some of the older ones too. So, uh, um, so that's kind of that's kind of interesting that they would even uh, have to go in that direction, uh, which is it, it, once again it, it it harkens to the the i3 uh, that has a range extender version. So it's kind of interesting, uh, and the platform itself. Uh, you know, I I initially imagined it to be a, a a new platform right from the right from the get-go that was designed specifically as an electric vehicle. But since they're coming out with a hybrid first, it leads me to wonder, you know, what the platform is. Uh, is it is it a platform that's evolved from some other vehicle in their lineup or? Uh, 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 an outside entity, you know. I mean, are they building it on a BMW platform? 
I don't know. I didn't really get a chance to look into too deeply into that because the, the you know the press release is a sort of egg here because they're you know they're rolling it out in Japan first. It, but it, it it's odd that you know you go back to the to adding a range extender. Um, the choice of the rotary motor as a range extender is kind of odd as well. I mean BMW they use if I'm not mistaken they use an adapted motorcycle engine which makes sense because you know BMW has a whole motorcycle line so. On the R uh, on the on the Mazda, the MX30, are they going with a rotary range extender just to kind of get you know to kind of again capture that sporty? Oh my God, this is sporty! It's got a rotary engine in it, which is really not going to drive anything. You know, so enthusiasts have been wanting the the rotary engine to come back, but but one of the reasons it went away was you know efficiency on a rotary. At least back in in you know the mid 2000s, with the with the RX8 came out, which by the way. I think that's where they get the doors from for this off the RX-8. You know, again, mm-hmm. they're trying to paint a picture of this being a sporty, hip, you know, performance car because the RX-8 had those sort of back doors as well. The RX-8 at the time it got like 16 miles per gallon city. <laughs> you know, in 2008 for a, you know a, a small performance car. I mean, that is that it's really not that impressive. And then you know emissions alone, and, and on top of that, reliability. RX-8s are notoriously unreliable. My, it's funny because my wife works at a dealership. She works at a Mazda dealership, and and there's always an RX-8 in the parking lot. And and like the last one, I'm like, oh, there's another RX-8, and she's like, yeah, they uh, we're gonna get it fixed, but the costs were too expensive, so they just left it. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> it's happened twice since she started working there two years ago. That somebody brought in an RX-8 for 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 service, and it it was too expensive, and they just abandoned it at the at the dealership. Apparently. Uh uh, Mazda itself has not abandoned the idea of developing a new rotary engine or some variation on, on what they've already uh, invented. Yeah, uh, I'm hearing that there was a, a patent that they applied for that uh, it's a fairly complex new design with uh, electric motors and huh. other electrical components. But it, so, is it uh, truly a rotary, though? I mean, if you drive an RX-7, one of the fun, the funnest things about that motor is it revs. You know, it, it just revs up, and the noise it makes is, is it's a blast. If, you, if you've ever, I don't know if you've driven an RX-7. I, I drove a, an 88 RX-7 a few times, and it's just, it's fun to drive. You just, if you're that type who likes to rev it, you know, hear the engine rev and run through gears, it's fun. It's not torquey by any means, but it's, but it's, um, I don't know. I just feel like they're trying to throw it in here to, you know sort of excite the enthusiasts but the enthusiasts are smarter than that they're going to go well that doesn't you know i don't think that does anything for performance it's just to to generate electricity but then (laughs) but then the the so 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 much remains to be seen with what they're going to be doing with that but you know i do want to kind of lead us use that as a lead-in to to uh, talk about lucid and uh you you got me thinking a little bit when you say about the sound of the revving engine is that it's a very different sound to uh, high-performance electric motors make. Uh, anyone who's been to a Formula E race will attest to that. Uh, and Lucid, uh, who just opened up a new showroom, uh, they're they're actually, you know, they're making it real. Uh, it's yeah. not just uh, uh, some, some pipe dream somewhere. Uh, we've known that for a while uh, with the factory that they've got and the production that uh, has recently, uh, uh, you know, gone full tilt. Uh, so now they've taken that next giant step. They did have a, a already have a, uh, a showroom opened, uh, but this is a, they just opened their first dedicated showroom. I guess that's what it would be called. Well, standalone. Uh, I mean, uh, stand standalone showroom. Okay. As you mentioned, uh, the first showroom is actually located at their headquarters. Uh, this is the first standalone. Not only is it a showroom, but it also is a service center. So. Uh, Okay, it's right a, there in in Beverly Hills. Yeah, brilliant Wilshire place for Boulevard. What a brilliant place to put that. You know, if you're going to start a, a a car company with a high end car, you know that's the place to start it right there. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's good news. Uh, so uh, and it makes some sense too when we're talking about high end car to go with a Lucid Air Grand Touring. You're up over $130,000 uh, and that's even after the uh, federal tax credit yeah and uh, that's not including the executive package that we're still kind of waiting to see you know they promised the 
Oh, well, not promise, but they showed they showed all the concept with this this just really nice lounge seating in the back, and then the and the, mm-hmm. the of course the production version only has a a standard like bench, and and there's a couple of pictures online. People have been, I guess, people have already gone to the showroom, and it's funny because I saw some pictures online of of actual customers sitting in these cars, and and it doesn't really look all that spacious in the back, which maybe it's just I don't know if the person in the picture is giant or. or you know, maybe it's an huh. angle or something, yeah. but it doesn't look as big inside with somebody sitting in there as I as I would have expected. But again, we haven't really we we've seen it in person. We've actually been in it. Now that I come to think of it, or not been in it, but we've actually got to kind of go in and right. and, and sort of get in it. Uh, of course, yeah. it was a and proto- that, and, it was a prototype, that, and it was still uh, uh, on the early side of of its final stages and final development. But uh, you know, not to uh, have our listeners get the wrong idea, uh, you can uh, the Lucid Air touring starts at uh, eighty-seven thousand five hundred or so, right? Yeah, actually, uh, that's it. Yeah. A- a- after the tax credit, so so it's a it's still a wide open the the, the gulf between their 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 uh, entry model and their uh, uh, grand touring. Uh, you know, you're looking at about forty thousand dollar difference. You know, yeah. Um, so, so it's it's a car for a certain kind of audience, uh, and uh, and that, and they, that's exactly what they've been going for. They're not you know hiding anything about that. The idea that they're going for luxury, they they're intending to compete with Mercedes and BMW on the high end with this particular vehicle. So, good luck to them with their new service uh, uh, center showroom. They're on uh, Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills, and we'll be we'll be talking more about Lucid o- over the next few coming years, I'm sure. Yeah, next time I'm shopping on, you know, up, over in Beverly Hills, I'll have to pop in and check it out. I, I uh, I'm gonna go there for Christmas shopping. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, well, uh, as, as this podcast pays off, I mean, so we gotta we have to search for donators, uh, people to donate to us, because you know, I want to go check out the Beverly Hills uh, Lucid Air Studio. Well, you know, we might get an invitation, you know. We'll, we'll send out a little notice to our friends over there at Lucid, say hi to uh, Peter Rawlinson, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe they'll invite us uh, to, to one of their upcoming events. Uh, it would have been nice to be at the launch, though. I, I bet that, would, that was probably a lot of fun, although with the COVID, I'm sure that it was subdued uh, to, to what, what it might have been. You no, know, definitely. If you watch the video, I think there was just like a handful of press <laughs> was the whole audience there yeah. at the launch. But, uh, you know, there there is an EV vehicle that you can check out hopefully soon. Uh, and all you have to do is order a package from Amazon. So Amazon unveiled their first all-electric delivery van on Thursday that they're working with um, in partnership with Rivian Motors to bring. I guess you can't say bring to the market because they are the market. <laughs> it's kind of going backwards if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they're looking to get 10,000 vans on the road uh, by 2022, and uh, ultimately they're, they're expecting a fleet of about 100,000 uh, of the vehicles. It's a it's an interesting and eye catching design that they've got for the vehicle, and uh, it was uh, it's very customized uh, to to what uh, Amazon needed. Right, and it and it even has little Amazon Easter eggs. If you look at like some of the plastics have the Amazon logo etched in them and, and molded in them, and but as far as yeah designs go, it's definitely you know a modern take on what they've got, and and they say hundred thousand by twenty thirty. I mean that, that's kind of a given. Aren't they going to need to have that if California goes through with their whole uh, promise to eliminate ICE vehicles by twenty thirty five? They're probably going to have to step up production on these because they're going to need a lot of these vans, especially if other states follow suit. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is a cool looking van, and and it's and it's. I, I wonder about like, whose property, like whose intellectual property is this van? Like, if it was developed with Amazon, does that mean it's Amazon's exclusively? Because this van, if it works out, seems like it could, it could really be beneficial to other companies. I know UPS is is been looking for an EV van solution and to you know to reduce their. Um, waste and to reduce uh, their footprint so to speak so 
I'm curious to see if this is something that they'll be able to sell outside of Amazon or if Amazon has this locked up or Amazon could sell these on Amazon. I guess that would be even better. <laughs> Amazon could put up a page and just sell them. Uh, but, we uh, should not laugh at that. That's uh uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. That would uh, be that would be great to see, actually. I, I actually would love to see Amazon selling their Amazon van on Amazon, because I think I think that these things would make awesome campers. Like if you wanted to do a customized, like say you're you know somebody who likes to float around the country or something, and maybe if you want to do it a little green, you could customize one of these out with it to be a camper, or you know maybe even put motorcycles in the back or something. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot to sort of this blank palette, and it'd be great to see them make that available to other outfitters or even manufacturers i i think one of the most important things that comes out of this story is uh, what this means for rivian uh, this is a tremendous investment that uh, amazon is making in the company and uh, uh they're actually contributing uh besides the, the purchase of these vehicles they're contributing to rivian and rivian has made some pretty good inroads with as far as investments go uh there was one from ford that came up uh last april and uh, that was what 500 million and uh cox automotive uh, apparently uh has uh, jumped into the tune of 350 million now that's kind of weird so, to me cox automotive they're they're just to go back sorry i didn't cut you off but they're they're an automotive media company right uh, uh, they do logistics, a lot of automotive logistics and, and uh, uh, research and, and data crunching. Uh, I see. I thought they did like uh, I thought they had media outlets as well because I, I would find that kind of weird if they had. Well, uh, they they do. Oh. You know they they you know it's they're kind of like right in the in that that sweet zone with with uh, automotive uh, like sort of ancillary services to to automotive industry, including. Uh, a data, a very data-driven kind of uh, uh, research that uh, uh, you know can be used by automotive companies and and other people that are following uh, the economics of, auto, of the automotive industry. Ah, uh, you know it's funny with all these companies. We, we maybe we should do a uh, a startup showcase every week. <laughs> you know, like you just have a an EV startup showcase because I swear every every week it's a new story about a different EV startup, which is great to hear. I mean, that's, it's kind of like going back to the early days of, of the automobile, really, you know, when there was mm -hmm. hundreds of car makers, not just three and all kinds of powertrain well, ideas. Well, well, you know, uh, that kind of leads us into something that we'll, we'll take, take, uh, take up in just a couple of moments. Uh, did want to remind our readers that this is the, uh, EV Power Podcast, uh, produced by RPM News Weekly. Uh, you can find more of our RPM News and updates at rpmnewsweekly.com. It's the podcast uh, that uh, you listen to right now. EV Power Podcast is also available on Stitcher. And if uh, everything goes well and we've crossed our T's and dotted our I's, it should be up on uh, uh, Apple podcast very shortly oh good so uh that's a you know we've got our fingers crossed that all that uh all the the, the wires behind the scenes here have, have all been uh placed properly into the circuit boards and and, uh, <laughs> and that nobody trips over them which is <laughs> that's right but getting back to these startups and and uh, all the activity that's happening uh, on the EV front in the automotive industry. Now, Rivian, of course, has been around for a good 10 years, but they were very, very discreet. Uh, and they really took a, 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 the quiet road to, to, uh, to their earlier uh, uh, their announcements of a couple of years ago, uh, building the company, uh, making sure that they had a very strong foundation. Uh, so I think that will serve them well. Uh, but then we've got this other uh, upstart. Uh, so it's only a couple of years uh, that uh, has, is vying for a, a U.S. Postal Service contract, and that's uh, a company called Workhorse. Yes, uh, Workhorse. Uh, of course, they're, it, it's a weird area because they are an EV upstart, but they're not a new name. <laughs> so 
it, it was a, it was originally a name that was started by an investment group to take over GM's production of motorhome chassis that GM didn't want any part of, and then they were eventually bought by Navistar and sort of passed along to another company eventually that was AMF. Uh, I think it was AMF Electric Vehicles, if I'm not mistaken. And eventually that company, although they bought the Workhorse IP, they changed their own name to Workhorse, <laughs> which is kind of backwards. So it comes from like two different companies that were established companies, but now they're they're kind of out there selling themselves to investors as a as an EV startup in some ways. I don't want to you know, say that exactly because you know, with me and finance, never really get along. But the um, well, what I, what I'm gathering though from this particular. Uh, it, it, news that's out there is that Workhorse uh, they are actually going to they're, they're in the running uh, one of uh, only a handful of companies that have made it to the final round of selection for the manufacturing of the next round of US Postal Service uh, vehicles uh, which would be a, an enormous contract but Workhorse is not actually planning to build them they're sending it to, uh, uh, it looks like they'd be sending him, uh, the, the, the manufacturing to Lordstown Motors Corporation, which, you know, th there's a, a little bit of uh, curiosity uh, on, a, uh, on, on a several fronts as to uh, the, what's the relationship between Workhorse and, and Lordstown. And, and in fact, the former CEO of Workhorse, now the CEO at Lordstown, uh, Lordstown owns this uh, huge factory, hence the name Lordstown, in Lordstown that was the uh, GM Lordstown factory. And GM had actually invested a, a bunch of, well, loaned uh, uh, the company uh, money, millions, to, to uh, uh, you know, gave them a loan to, to buy the, the facility. So it's a facility that's like much larger than anything that they were producing. Yep. Uh, so it's almost as if they kind of were expecting some things to come down the, down the line. But they've got a, a truck out that's called the Endurance that uh, they will be manufacturing. So it looks like Workhorse will be relying on Lordstown to build this. And uh, uh, they've invested money in Lordstown and apparently, if, uh, if I can find some of the figures that I have on on, uh, on that, that uh, Lordstown, you know, gets a, a piece of every vehicle that, that, I mean, I'm sorry, Workhorse gets a piece of every, in terms of dollars and cents, uh, every a piece of every vehicle that uh, Lordstown is going to produce. Uh, and, and also, uh, they get a, a piece of any uh, uh Money that comes in as far as uh, any loans that they uh, they're able to to pick up. So it's it's just it's it, I, you know I mean I've, maybe the term is a little bit too heavy-handed, but this this sounds a little incestuous in a certain kind of a, <laughs> kind of a kind of a yeah. weird way that they that there's like you know what what's actually going on. Uh, some of it sounds like smoke and mirrors. Uh, some of it is very there's a real political intrigue and touch to it yeah. uh, when they uh, when Lordstown uh, unveiled the, the Endurance electric truck their electric truck which they did back in uh, June of this year uh, they, they didn't really say much about uh, they, they basically showed a, showed a shell they didn't say much about what was in the, in the vehicle you know what its range was, what charging times, any of that stuff, and uh, uh, the vice president spoke for a while, uh, which was kind of ironic because uh, uh, you know, you know, he was there, of course, in support of of manufacturing, but at the same time, the White House has, you know, has done all it can to eliminate the federal tax credit on electric vehicles, and and uh, is you know bent on on rolling back uh, regulations. Uh, that uh, apply a little bit of pressure to uh, the automakers, you know, for you know to to go green. So it's kind of uh, interesting uh, that aspect of it, and especially too because this is a a deal with the U.S. Postal Service. Um, 
not to, not much is being said by the companies that are in this final round. Uh, in fact, uh, there's some indications that maybe they'll make an announcement this coming week. The Postal Service will as to who the will get the get the nod, uh, and uh, but then there's also some speculation that it might get pushed down the road a little bit because it's, that's happened before, uh, uh, mostly because the Postal Service has, has um, uh, been set back by uh, you know, the COVID ap epidemic, and so they may not be making a decision till you know closer to the end of the year. Yeah, and they also had um, issues with the vehicles themselves, and there's actually a report out by the Postal, I think the Postmaster General, and the, his name escapes me, I, I can't think of it, but uh, I remember I, I read a report recently that they basically rushed the vehicles into the prototype stage, and they had massive like failures across the board, and so they realized that they sort of rushed that, and they pushed that back to, um, and, and there's some like notable names in the running you know like ford is is one of them and um what's the other one uh can't think of the name of the i can't think oshkosh oh oshkosh yeah oshkosh and mahindra that's right i guess they were all in the running at one point or still in the running but to circle back a little bit you were talking about you're talking about um workhorses uh, ceo leaving the company and then going to start lordstown when he left the company uh, at the around that I think around that same time they made this decision to to chase this commercial business you know they make they also produce or or they're going to produce like heavy commercial truck vans you know sort of a step up from what Rivian's doing more like you know like the bread trucks that you see or like the tool trucks you see a lot of those Matt Coach tool trucks riding around so they're they're looking at platforms like that uh, but they're also going after this this postal service contract which is worth six billion dollars so you can understand it. But I think at one point they sort of put all their chips on the table for this contract and, and to build this prototype and focus on that. Because I know they sold, they had a drone division. They actually, Workhorse actually designed a truck that had a little drone that launches off the top of the truck. And so the driver can put a, 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 a package in a basket. The drone will rise out of the top of the truck through this little door and then take it right to the, to the door so the driver doesn't even have to leave the truck. Which... Sounds like a lot of work to save a guy a couple steps, but you know maybe it, maybe it makes sense if you have a lot of drones. But the um, so they sold their drone division out to Moog, which makes um, they make all kinds of stuff. They make fiber optic stuff. They make flight control systems for the aviation, and they make weapons platforms. And then um, so to me, it almost sounds like that that CEO. Oh, and, and I'm sorry, back up. And they also sold. Uh, they also sold Lordstown their pickup truck IP because Workhorse was originally designing a pickup truck, and they I, they got to the prototype stage as far as I can tell, and then when that around the time I think when that CEO left they they scrapped that program well that scrapped it I should say they sold it to Lordstown so I'm wondering if it's you know yeah, I wonder if the for, for clo close close to 16 million for for that so I'm wondering if that truck was like a passion project of that CEO. And they were going to cancel it, and he walked and said, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it myself. And then he went and got funding to do it. I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm speculating. I have no clue if, if that's right. That's me. You know, it's just a guess. But say say the guy worked up for years on his prototype, and the company says, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to cancel that, and, and we're going to make little plastic vans for the post office. You know, you got to wonder if the guy's like, well, what the hell with this? I'm going to call my friends at GM and, <laughs> you know, Go well, make it. That, you know, you bring you bring up an interesting thing here is is that if the the vehicle is based, if the post office vehicle is going to be based on the endurance, uh, it looks like there'd have to be a considerable redesign of the uh, at least the you know exterior because the endurance is a pickup truck. Right. I don't so, think it is because it. I think it's too big. Uh, if you've seen, you're right. It, it seems a lot bigger than than the little postal. Carriers that we, you know, we see uh, buzzing around the ones with the right. with the right-hand drive. It would it would be way overkill, I think, because because um, you know you only need for a post office van. I mean, I think you know the average I said was like thirty miles they drive a day. What do they do? They go in front of your house, they stop. They go to the next house, they stop. You know, so it's the ideal vehicle to go electric, which is why I think Workhorse has a good chance at winning because they are the only company that even put out put up an ev which is kind of weird if you think about it 
you know, other companies. I know, that's, that, I, I had to kind of read that again. When I was looking through one of the reports, I was like, what? They were the only company that put forth a plan for an, uh, an EV to it, for this uh, postal service contract? It's such a good, like, market for an electric it's like that's the ideal market it's just a vehicle that doesn't go far it stops drives drives 10 feet to a mailbox stops drives 10 feet to a mailbox stops you know the ones and the ones that are in service now those are based on the first generation chevy s10 <laughs> can you imagine they they the, the 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 postal trucks that we have now the they went out of production in 1994 so that tells you how old the, they are the, the vehicles themselves are and the fact Whoa. that and, and they, what's holding them together can you imagine what some of these look like underneath I mean they must be just patched welds and, and they're bursting into flames I don't know if you've seen this recently but they're actually literally bursting into flames and and they still use what was known as the old uh, GM Iron Duke which was a super reliable four cylinder engine that that um, came out in the 70s and uh, you know, of course, it was refined here and there, and it and it managed to stay in production for a while until like 1990 in different pickup trucks. I think the S10 and def- uh, for sure, but this is a vehicle that was like in in the AMC Eagle. <laughs> I think it was in the AMC like Gremlin, you know. So in that thing, and they're still using those in 2020. It's 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 incredible. Yeah. It's almost it's almost I don't want to say criminal because that's too strong a word, but but it's like. That's the government for you. You know what I mean? It, it, how are those things even still in service? Well, they're they're, they're in danger. Got, they, well, uh, uh, from the tax boys point of point of view, I, they, it looks like they've definitely got their money's worth out of those. Well, yeah, vehicles. I mean, they're probably they've probably each one has probably been rebuilt ten times over. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. Chevy S tens well, were reliable, but I don't know uh, daily service for for thirty years. Well, I mean, that's. What, I have not found uh, an RFP for this particular. Not that I've done a ton of research to try to find one, but you know, just kind of researching for for this part of our, our programming, uh, I didn't see an RFP for what the original requirements were for the vehicle that the post office is looking for, uh, and. Uh, I get curious about it a little bit because obviously we're going to wonder, well, uh, does an American company have an advantage here in trying to deliver this particular uh, uh, item? You know, and, and uh, you, you mentioned Mahindra being one of the finalists. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, it is, is uh, you know, because they're not an American company, will that put them, you know, uh, further back in the pack? Uh, will there be a lot of political pressure to you know, give them, uh, make the contract, uh, be give, be, have the contract be given to an American company? Hmm. Uh, so you know, th- I mean, there's a, there, there's a, certainly a lot of political side to it. It's just a little strange when you read through some of the news that's been put out. Uh, this, the, 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 I don't necessarily get a, a, a real positive uh, sense that you know that this company is up to the task at this point. Uh, you know, they don't really have a track record for being able to produce at the, at the level that would be required by this contract. Yeah. Uh, so so what, what is it that, that even the post office has seen that even puts them in the same league with, uh, like, a Ford? Uh, or for that matter, even a Rivian that, that you know, although they haven't produced much, they they built their company sl- slowly, so they seem to have a firmer footing. Yeah. And Rivian's not one of the contenders because, as we said before, this was uh, the only electric vehicle. That's probably the reason is that it was the only electric vehicle that was, you know, put put up for for you know for the bid. Well, this it's also timing. I mean, this. They opened bidding. I think they. I think they originally talked about this in 2016. So this has been an ongoing process. It's not like, I mean, Rivian wasn't on the map at that point. And then. Uh, right, uh, and and uh, you know, sad to say it, but in 2015, electric vehicles were, you know, <laughs> barely getting any press. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Is it's, it's and and it's not that much different now. Although in the last year, I'd say that there's been definitely a, a, a lean towards more. Uh, news about electric vehicles and uh, you know the imminent uh, presence they're going to have in in the, in the future. Yeah, and but the upside is you know I we talked about this a little bit off air and I was kind of speculating some more because that's all, all we can do really at this point. Uh, you know the, you talked about the the tie-in with with between Workhorse and Lordstown and I remember 
reading someplace, uh, there's a quote from one of the, the executives at, at Lordstown that basically said, yeah, we'd lo- if, if Workhorse gets that contract, we'd love to build it. And, and you know, that kind of sets up, that sort of answers the question as to where is Lordstown Motors going to get the extra capital to build out that factory? Because if the the Workhorse contract goes through, then they've got a contract with Workhorse to to build these postal vehicles. But then again, we're also talking about, we're not talking about pickup trucks here or, or like a, a semi. We're talking about a very, very basic vehicle. It's It needs to be very basic, sort of modular. It's It's a body shell on an electric vehicle frame and it's not a very freely vehicle it doesn't have you know touch screens everywhere it's not going to have uh, you know executive package back seat so in terms of production it's a very simplistic vehicle to build and it doesn't even have to have a lot of range like the battery pack you only need about 100 miles and that's that's overkill so i think they can pull it off you know if they just get that initial funding but they've got to get through this next round and prove that they can build a prototype that works <laughs> then that's the the question you know well i you know i would hope that it being you know 2020 and a time where you know technology has provided tremendous amount of safety features in a vehicle and not to mention uh the te- uh, telematics that are in vehicles now that the, the post office would do itself self uh, a big favor to make sure that these vehicles have some of the latest oh, technologies. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, to me, that's not frills these days. You know, the 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 postal worker who's who's driving one of those should have you know a, a, an excellent communication package to be able to communicate with uh, you know their central office in whatever town they might be in, or uh, you know with other services that would be available. Obviously, they'd want they'd want to have very good uh, GPS. Uh, and and maybe even if you look at uh, some of the other uh, package delivery services, uh, you know, to be able to compete with them, which is they are competing with them already. But you know, to be competitive in the types of vehicles and the services that the the, the drivers have in the vehicles, I would I would think that they'd want to go in that direction. So uh, I, I would hope it'd be a much more complex vehicle than than just a little runabout. And that, that goes back to the relationship with Lordstown and the tech that they're developing because they are offering fleet management technology with their trucks. So there's going to be a, you know, if when they get these things rolling out, the... Um, there's going to be like a sort of a, a, a package. I forget what they call it, but it's like a centralized fleet management software. So, and you got to have to imagine that mm-hmm. that's a, the, the post office is going to want probably a lot of that so they can analyze it. I mean, the, the data alone helps them determine routes or determine, you know, you can even tell what somebody has been up to for the day, I guess, if you really want to get into it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but mm-hmm. you know, that's again, will they tap into that relationship with Lordstown? And, and it makes sense. Uh well, it's a big question, and uh, you know, uh, data management is uh, an aspect of it, and uh, uh, that's. Uh, I'm, you see, I'm I'm using this time here to segue into our next uh, mini feature that we have <laughs> on uh, a study that iccars.com came out with on electric vehicles, used electric vehicles, um, uh, which was a pretty interesting study. Um, if you don't mind me sw- uh, switching gears no, like that, Steve. Steve. Uh, Steve. <laughs> you replace <Yeah>. it. Uh. <laughs> Steve, that's the third person that's been in the room, uh, and you didn't notice him. Say hi to Steve. <laughs> hi. Uh, hi. 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 I'm Steve. See, this is what you get when you record an episode uh, at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. This is late night sessions. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yes, that's as sure uh. is. Uh, Okay, so uh, the uh, the title of the study from uh, iccars.com was called The Most Popular Used Electric Vehicles by State. And uh, if we had to pick which vehicle it, it w- would be, I think we both would have been correct because I would have said the Nissan Leaf had I not seen the study, and you probably would have said Tesla Model S if, if no. I know you well enough, Peter. When you talk about popular used like the Model S and the Model Three, they they're not as common as the Leaf. I would have I would I would have agreed with you on the Leaf, although the Bolt is is the Bolt now is getting into dirt cheap territory. You know, you can get a twenty five thousand mile Bolt for you know seventeen thousand dollars now, and that's a lot of car for that money. But um, and they come up the Bolt does come up 
uh, as sort of a number three. Yeah. Uh, how the study is uh, presented, if you if you go to iccars.com and take a look. Uh, I do want to give some credit here, though, to our friend Rick DeMice, uh, who is the uh, commentator on Rick's Tech Talk, which appears uh, on Cows Radio uh, on the West Coast uh, every Tuesday. And uh, depending on where you are in the United States, uh, here in, in the, on the East Coast, uh, it airs at 1.30. You can find it right online. Uh, they have a nice streaming package. But he brought this information to light last week. Uh, you can also find Rick's Tech Talk on RPM News Weekly. If you go to our website at rpmnewsweekly.com, uh, you'll find the episodes that uh, he presents, the segment of that program on the West Coast. So... Uh, the, uh, as the information is presented here, uh, the uh, top three popular, most popular used EVs in the top 25 states with the highest EV shares. So there's 25 states that are not listed here because they don't have a very high percentage of uh, EV use. Uh, if you start with the, uh, at, uh, like the most popular, the Nissan Leaf is just far and away in the most states, the most popular uh, used vehicle, used EV vehicle. In some states, it's like, you know, 50% of the used EV market share. <laughs> in Washington state, for example, it's 50.5. Whoa. Right. Even more in Hawaii. Even more. 61.3% in Hawaii. Now, that's pretty astounding. I mean, does that mean the only EVs in Hawaii are the Nissan Leaf? Because <laughs> that's, you know, that's a pretty good market share. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Actually, uh, in uh, Hawaii, the second uh, most used, popular used uh, EV, used EV for purchase has been the BMW i3. And then thir- third is the Tesla Model S. So if you look through the whole list of things, uh, uh, you know, running down number one used EV, it's either a Nissan Leaf or a Tesla. I think Nissan Leaf is 17 of the 25, uh, number one. And uh, if you go to the second most, uh, in many of those states that the Leaf was first, the Tesla was second. Uh, here and there it, it changes. In Hawaii, it was the BMW i3. In Idaho, it was the second most was the Volkswagen e-Golf. If you go to Utah, uh, where 11.6% uh, of their uh, that's their EV share, their second most popular was the Fiat 500e. But lest we forget the Chevy Volt, uh, Bolt, I mean, with a B, not not a V. Uh, uh, they, it turns up quite frequently as the third most popular. Uh, in Colorado, Connecticut, Florida, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Mexico, New York. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to take a look through this and just kind of glean what, uh, you know, what's uh, popular and what's available right. out there. I mean, the Leaf has an advantage. The Leaf has, I think, one advantage that it's been around for so long. And it has certainly evolved. Yeah, and, and you know, it's uh, just to cut back just one second. I just saw you know you were talking about Tesla, and you were running down the states. You know, the one, two, and three. The now Texas, the most popular is the Tesla Model S, right? Second most popular is the Nissan Leaf with eighteen point seven percent, and then the Tesla Model Three is number three in sales. But what's interesting about that is is Tesla is banned from selling cars in Texas. <laughs> I don't even think they have I don't even think they have showrooms in Texas. Uh so they're outright banned from Texas and and look at what the market share is between you know the Model S and the Model 3. Uh it's, so the, it's bizarre. So they it? must be turning up on used car used car lots. Yeah, it's bizarre. You wouldn't think that that would be the case. Or or, or pri- maybe private sales. I wonder if this includes private yeah. sales. Yeah, and, and and you know to be honest Maybe it's just me. Maybe you know. Maybe I just get caught up in the noise of everything else. But the the funny thing about the Nissan Leaf, it, it, and you talk about you talk about um, Rivian working quietly in the background to develop an EV. Well, the, the Nissan Leaf has been just quietly in the in the foreground or the background, um, just quietly selling. I, I, it's a car I don't even think about half the t- like I don't ever even think about the Nissan Leaf. And then when you look at this list, I think seventeen of the twenty five states, I think. Uh, it, it's the most popular EV vehicle used. Uh, so that prompted me, of course, now I'm thinking, well, geez, I, I've 
literally i don't even know where the leaf is in terms of sales you know what it's doing you never hear anybody really like hey i'm going to buy a leaf <laughs> but but apparently they're doing pretty well you know they, they just upped the the power last year with the redesign and um you know they and the range the range is now uh you know a, a very a very respectable yeah area. and and uh so i was reading uh last month they actually sold their 500,000th nissan leaf uh, I guess global. I'm assuming globally. Uh, I, I was trying to find the story, but it uh, seemed to have disappeared from my browser. But um, it's actually incredible that, that you know we always hear about. I mean, obviously, Tesla's the number one, but you always hear about all these companies trying to get these cars off the. Uh, you know, it's always Volkswagen. Like, oh, any year now, 2021 for sure. 2020, 2022, we're gonna have 20 cars. 2023, yeah, definitely. 2023, we're gonna have. 40 electric cars but they can't seem to get one assembly line working to to build a car and then when they do build one they build the id3 what happened they all got bricked because of software issues and sat on lots for for months for months while they sorted out software issues but here's nissan they're just quietly chugging along building these building these cars sending them out the door uh well here's a, here's an interesting number two you know range being one of them that automatically comes up even even though i think that for the most part we've gotten past that as being a a first level question but the the leaf now if you get the 62 kilowatt hour battery pack uh you, you'll go 226 miles on a full charge uh with the smaller one well the smaller battery pack uh 40 kilowatt hour you go 149 miles. And, and when I say smaller one, I want to correct something, too, that came up in last week's program. And that's that the, the, the LEAF is a four pass, a five-passenger vehicle. So, uh, you know, we're not talking a, a car that is, uh, you know, a tiny, tiny little box. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a subcompact car for sure, uh, but it rivals uh, cars like the Corolla as far as size go. Interior space has got... Uh, in fact, I think it's got a, a little bit more interior a total passenger volume. It's a little bit larger than it, than the Corolla. Right, and it's not even that uh, bad looking. You know, when you go back and look at the last generation, or the first generation, I guess, uh, you know, it might have looked a little overly futuristic for the time and, you know, a little bit, hey, look at me, I'm driving a green car, you know. But the new one, you know, I think the styling rivals, you know, certainly Nissan's base model cars but also like you said the toyota corolla hatch like in in that sort of regard it, it'd be interesting for them to just build mm -hmm. a hot hatch version of this you know it would be great to see <laughs> nissan that, that would like, be something let's put a nismo yeah. leaf out there i mean i know they've done i think they've done concepts and they've actually done a little bit of racing with the nismo leaf let's let's get one on the streets you know <laughs> you want to build that interest yeah that's that sounds like such a mouthful the nismo have you leaf. seen have, have you seen that uh, that uh, concept Oh, no, it's a concept. It's it's a no, it's, it's hilarious because it's it's it looks like it's as wide as a ma like a Maxima. It actually sort of looks a little bit more towards the sedan side of the family, but uh, you know it's electric race car. Uh, it's it's neat though. It'd be great to see them put that out. They'd probably sell them. You got to look it up. It's just a, it's it's odd looking. I can't describe it. It's still a hatchback, but it's flared out so that it has sort of a a like a almost a supercar-esque rear quarter panel uh, it's it's bizarre but you know it'd be neat to see need to see them out there yeah well you know one of the good things about these cars too is is that when you look at what the anticipated annual fuel cost uh, basically the cost of electricity uh, with the leaf and, and many of the uh, all electric vehicles is that they fall in at about the 600 dollar a year sure there's some more that are some that are higher up into the 800s but uh, by and large, if you uh, take a look through all of them, that many of them uh, plunk down in that $600 per year range, as estimated by the EPA. Uh, there's a full list actually available on evpowerpodcast.com if you want to see all of the EVs that are currently in the actually in the market with EPA ratings, uh, and that goes through the whole alphabet of them. Uh, if you uh, click on one of our pages, which has EV listings at evpowerpodcast.com. So with that, Peter, I think that maybe we've kind of come to the end of this uh, this week's programming. All right. I'm just going to correct myself, though. I don't want to wait till next week like you just did. Uh, they actually do sell a Nismo Leaf in, in Japan. I just happened to pop onto the Japanese 
Nissan website. Uh, I don't remember this ever coming out. <laughs> I don't remember ever seeing anything about this, but it goes to show you, you know, we talk about a car that's quietly under the radar, just doing its job. There, there you go. They actually do carry one. Are you seeing any horsepower number? No, uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm relying on Google Translate, and it's not really translating right. all that well. For the, for those uh, who want to know, the uh, net horsepower with the Leaf here in the United States is 147 horsepower, and torque is at 236 pound feet. Yeah, I don't know. That's something I'm definitely going to look into because it's just it's kind of funny to see that out there. And why not bring that to the United States? Bring something a little exciting. It definitely looks sporty. It's definitely got perf- it's got uh, suspension mods. So it's a true Nismo. It's got suspension mods. It's got steering mods. It's got enhanced brake braking. Uh, I wonder what they mean by that. Enhanced braking force. Is that part of the regen system or is that actually bigger brakes? Like I said, it's kind of hard to tell. I'm looking at a site that's sort of translated. But I'm going to head over to Japan and test drive one. So we, we, def- we definitely need sponsors here. We need people to sponsor the show. I want to go drive this. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, is because the, as you go up through the trims uh, for uh, the Leaf, uh, you know, you've got the SSVSL, uh, kind of a, a you know typical Nissan lineup of, of vehicles. Uh, when you get up into the, uh, uh, you know, the upper trims, that, uh, you know, it's not really, uh, you're not really moving up in terms of performance as much as you are with some of the special features that you can get. Uh, yeah. the, the Leaf has, uh, you know, all, all of the, the current advanced safety features that you'd find in most vehicles uh, are there, including automatic emergency braking and pedestrian detection and, and those sort of things. But uh, also some of the t- uh, telematics, certainly Apple CarPlay and, and Android Auto. So, uh, the, you know, there's no sacrifices that have to be made. Uh, there's a, a little bit of, of a trade-off in in in, uh, in some of the performance aspects, uh, and and uh, in, in that the upper trims will offer some of those amenities that we all like up here in New England, especially as you get into the winter. It's you know such as heated front seats and heated steering wheel; uh, those are available. But but it's a trade-off there too. Of course, They're, those consume some of the uh, the the juice that the the car has available to it right but if you know the other side to that coin is if you if that works for you and you can live with like the heated seats and the heated steering wheel you don't have to have the cabin air on as on heat on as much either so mm-hmm. you know you might be burning, what, what, what's the more efficient burning it up in the heating system or burning it up in a, in a heated seat although a lot of these cars now and i think nissan leaf is one of them has that sort of you can just select the driver for climate, which I think is a great idea. Uh, so if you're driving alone, you can just have climate on you. And well, we hope everyone stays stays tuned. Oh, let me say that again. We hope everyone can uh, return to for our next episode, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll have more of, more about that. Uh, check out the website evpowerpodcast.com alright I guess we'll, we'll wrap up episode 2 and uh, you know maybe get together and do an episode 3 sounds good so we'll see y'all next time okay. catch you then oh, we didn't use our, our, our sign off what was our sign off last week we said we'd be <laughs> our... I don't remember uh, I don't thanks for joining us on the EV Power Podcast if you'd like to hear more automotive news that goes behind the headlines check out our other podcast RPM News Weekly or visit us at rpmnewsweekly.com.